Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Bailey Lau. Bailey fell in love with sports and exercise at an early age, which created her passion for helping people become the best version of themselves. She played four years on the university soccer team in the ACAC League, which is when she started training in the gym and lifting weights to better her performance on the field. After graduating, she worked as a physiotherapist aide, and that helped her determine that she wanted to help people be functional and strong in a more direct way. In the episode, Bailey shares how to set up an effective strength training routine, even if you don't have a gym membership, why jumping around to different exercises prevents progress, what lifting heavier weights can do for you, and more. If you're liking this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd write a review and share it with a friend. Enjoy the episode. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Bailey. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. I'd love if you could start and tell us a bit about your background, specifically what led you to major in kinesiology and become a personal trainer. Yeah, actually, I so when I was in high school, like a lot of people, like my dreams were quite big. I, I wanted to be a dentist. Um, so that's what they said would be a good thing to go to is into science. So I started out in biology, uh, going into my bachelor of science in biology. And then I decided, I was like, this is boring. Cell biology is just not my thing. Uh, biology 30 uh, in Alberta, which is where I went to high school, um, is a lot about learning about the body. And I thought that kind of would be a little bit of it. And it didn't turn out it wasn't. So then I changed my major to kinesiology because they're like, oh, yeah, that's if you want to learn about the body and how it moves, that's what you should go into, uh, which is quite popular right now, which is awesome. Uh, And then, yeah, after I graduated from university, I um, worked as a physiotherapist aide. which wasn't very fun for me. Um, There was no fulfillment. Like I wasn't the one helping people. Most of the time people in a physiotherapy clinic, like they're in pain, they don't want to be there. They're just not in the the greatest mood, you know? Mm -hmm. They just don't want to be there. Um, So then I worked there for six months and I was like, this is not for me. Um, And I started lifting weights in university uh, because I played soccer while I was there. Uh, And our trainers during the off season, they would have us lift weights just to, you know, better our performance on the field during the season. Uh, And so I continued that after I graduated university. Um, And then, yeah, I was like, oh, being a personal trainer, that would be cool. Um, I started out in in like a big corporate sort of gym, uh, a women's only gym which was kind of nice, a little bit less intimidating for a lot of women to go into a space where there's only women. Um, 
And it was nice to be able to help them in a space that they were comfortable in, but I just didn't really fit in. Um, even like things have changed. Women have moved a little bit more towards lifting weights and feeling good about their body, which is amazing. Um, but even a few years ago when I started, uh, it's all like circuit type things. Like women want to be smaller. Uh, and as a strength coach, I really just didn't fit in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is when I moved over to evolve strength, uh, which is a lifting gym. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And actually a few of the clients that came with me, they started lifting more weights because they were seeing all these really strong men and women around them in the lifting gym, which that was their focus was lifting weights. Um, And they actually started like lifting more because they were able to see what was was an option for them, you know, what they could achieve, which was amazing. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's, so then you've never looked back. No, no, exactly. That's awesome. It's it's a cool progression of how from dentistry to lifting heavy weights. <laughs> also, as you were describing your unfulfillment at the job when people didn't want to be there, it was kind of making me think like when people go to the dentist, they don't really want to be there. So that career trajectory also would have taken you to a place where, you know, I think that could be a tough job where people could show up to the dentist and yeah, that's not pretty much everybody's favorite thing to do. Yeah, I will say, obviously, not everyone loves going to the gym. Um, mm-hmm. but it does make them feel better. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, going to the physical therapist, that would make you feel better, too. But people that decide to go to the gym and that hire a trainer, like they want to be there. Right. Yeah. They want to make those changes. They're willing to put in the work to get it done. And they're not right. miserable about their situation. They're, you know, their focus is on the future, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. You were exposed to strength training in college through soccer. I was not. I mean, when I was in college, I graduated in 2007 and no one, not a single female was lifting weights in the college gym. We were all on the ellipticals and the treadmills and the bikes, literally lining up and writing our name on a paper for the coveted ellipticals. <laughs> it was oh. like you had to sign up because that's how popular they were. And yeah. there all the guys were lifting weights and there wasn't a single woman over there. But I do think it has changed a lot now. And I see even, you know, young girls I know or when I'm at a gym now, I see a lot of women in the weight section. If you were to make the case for strength training specifically for women, what would you say? Why is it important for your overall health, for fitness? Why do women need to get into the weight section? Matt, there's a long list and there's so much research that's been going into this these days, uh, which is awesome because I can, you know, they ask me questions, I say science. Um, But definitely, you know, making, feeling good about the way your body is moving, especially as you age and starting off at a young age is the best time to start. Right. But also there's never, it's never too late to start. Right. So, um, yeah, longevity is really important for strength training. Uh, you can improve bone density and then as you age, maintain bone density, which is really good for, you know, when, when people older populations have falls and stuff, they're less likely to, to break something at that point. Um, it makes life easier. That's for sure. I had to, uh, you know, pick up my tires and it just snowed yesterday. It was the first snowfall yesterday here in Alberta. So, um, you know, pick my tires up, just toss them into the back. And it was, it wasn't even a chore. It was just, you know, pick them up, throw them in, 
drive them there. Um, and that's because I lift weights in a gym. Um, it makes you super functional for day-to-day life. Like I said, bone, bone density, longevity, a lot of people don't think about. Uh, and if someone was concerned about um, body composition, it's another good reason to feel good about how you look, how you're performing in life, how you're performing in the gym, um, and confidence as well. I think that's one that sort of gets forgotten about is um, knowing what you're capable of in the gym really is great for your confidence, especially as women, um, for whatever reason. Well, we know the reason, social media. Um, women have struggle with confidence, right? And it's usually because they don't know if they should be doing it. They're a little bit insecure. Um, but if you know you can do something and you're you're aware of how capable your body is for you, um, and that confidence, it goes between being in the gym, uh, into your job, into your relationships. It's, it's amazing to watch as a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some women come in and they're a little bit weary of, should I be lifting this much? Are you sure? Like, I don't know where to start. Uh, and then a few months down the line, they're like, well, how about we do more today? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're excited. Mm-hmm. And then when they're lifting heavy, are they getting super bulky? Because I think that is something that women fear. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't understand where that myth came from. It is very challenging to get bulky. Any man that's trying to put on weight will tell you if it was easy, like all most men that are interested in looking like that would look like that. And they don't. Yeah. Uh, so same thing for women. If you don't want to look bulky and that's not what you're going for, it's not just going to by accident happen overnight. You're not just going to start strength training and then be like, oh, man, my arms are too big. Mm-hmm. What the heck? I need to take it down a notch. Um, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of food uh, and it takes years to look like that. So it's not going to happen overnight. If it's not a goal of yours, then, then it's not really something to worry about. Right. If you're not intentionally working towards that goal. What are some other misconceptions would you say about strength training, especially for women? For women? That's a good question. Um, the bulky one is, is the main one for sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll come back to that. I'll think about that. Okay. Yeah. Think about that one in terms of when we're saying strength training, what counts as strength training and what doesn't? Cause I have clients ask me this all the time. They'll say, does this count as strength training? Does this count? And I'd love to hear your response to that. Well, anything that makes you stronger is strength training, right? Um, there's lots of exercises. A lot of people, especially, you know, when the gyms all got shut down, they're like, well, body weight's not enough. And I personally was humbled when I had to go home and do body weight exercises and I was sore the next day. If you're challenging the muscles, they're going to get stronger. Uh, and I mean, yeah, anything that falls into making you stronger would be considered strength training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I'm thinking like the traditional kind of push pull stuff with weights or your body weight. What about something like yoga or spin class? If somebody's thinking, am I building muscle enough with this activity I like to do, or do I need to add some type of lifting in addition? Yeah. Um, I mean, of course there are things that you get out of spin class, but it is a cardio 
uh, type of exercise, that's what you're getting from it is cardiovascular training. Um, so that's the heart and the lungs, right? And if you're thinking about muscles, you need to be moving some weights, whether that be your body or, uh, you know, weights in a gym, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yoga, that one's, that one's kind of, you know, it depends on the person, what they think about it. Um, but it's, yeah, if you, really, if you wanted to get strong and you wanted to build muscle that's noticeable, um, moving weights might be a better bet. Yeah. And that's that's and what I find. What about is along the same lines, would that be like a bar class where you're doing kind of smaller movements with your body weight, but you're not doing kind of the more traditional body weight or weight act activities? Do would you say like Pilates bar class? Yeah. Yeah. The reason I ask is I get asked this all the time because a client will say, I love doing bar, but I know I need to build muscle. So does bar count? <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on the individual. Like someone might get something out of bar, but really when we get down to the science of strength training, you're going through a full range of motion. That mm-hmm. pulling stuff is only going to strengthen the muscle in that range. So it's just Got like it. doing a wall sit. Great for the quads. Like you get a burn out of it, but it's only going to strengthen the quad in that sort of seated 90 degree angle movement, uh, portion, sorry. Um, so for things like pulsing, it's, it's muscular endurance for that portion of the movement. Um, but if you're trying to get stronger, we need full range of motion. Um, we need to be a little bit closer to failure. So I like to, on a scale of one to 10, which is RPE scale, um, we want to be sitting in that seven to 10, really, um, seven to 10 out of 10, so that we're challenging the muscles enough so that they're growing. Um, and if you're doing a bunch of pulsing, the muscle might be getting tired, it might be burning, but there's not enough mechanical, um, and what's the word, force, whatever, um, being put on the muscle. So really, if you're trying to build muscle, like I said, we need full range of motion. We need a larger mechanical load, which is increased by using full range of motion. Just requires more from the muscle um, to get something out of it. It needs to be relatively close to failure because if you're not challenging the muscles, um, they don't feel the need to grow, right? They don't feel the need to adapt. Um, and then we need progressive overload, which a lot of body weight exercises progressive overload is a little bit harder. Uh, it's easier to do if you're lifting weights for sure. Um, so again, if you're only pulsing your body weight with a three pound dumbbell in a bar class, uh, and you're doing that for a whole year, that's not really progressive overload. If you're doing more yes. reps, if you're doing for a longer period of time, sure. Um, but it would just be easier to, um, progressively overload, which I, maybe I should define that. I'm not sure. I want to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a company I've been impressed by for years. Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. For just $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. To put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment, which means my annual membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. 
My favorite part about Thrive Market is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible to everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I was going to say, for people who've never heard that, could you define it? Because it's such a cool concept that people might not have heard of. Well, the idea and the simplicity of it is is amazing. Um, you need to challenge the body. If we're doing the same things over and over and over again, um, the body, again, doesn't feel the need to adapt. So you need to be, be making things a little bit harder uh, as they get easier, a little bit harder as they get easier to force the body to adapt to it. Um, so increasing things like uh, reps, sets, uh, volume intensity, the amount of weight that you're lifting, all those kinds of things can be making something harder um, and frequency as well, stuff like that, just to make things to make things more challenging for the muscles in order for them to get stronger. Mm-hmm. So for progressive overload, I've had this question before too. If somebody has, let's say, five, eight, and 10-pound dumbbells, then they feel like, oh, then I'm just constantly going to have to buy the next one and the next one. But what you're saying is if you're lifting your 10 pound dumbbells in some range of motion eight times, you could do it 10 times and that's still progressive overload. Yeah. Yeah. And if we go back to mechanical tension, tempo also goes into that. Hmm. So, um, again, when gyms were closed and people were forced to sort of figure other things out other than being in a gym where there's an infinite amount of weights that they can add to the bar, um, you can slow the tempo down on the eccentric, so the lowering phase of the exercise, or on the concentric, um, which is the going up part of the exercise. Um, You can implement pauses where you have sticking points or at the bottom portion or wherever it's hardest for you. Uh, And again, that is making the muscle work that little bit harder. uh, So that is technically progressive overload. So yeah, you could be adding, uh, if that person, you know, gets to their 10 pound weights and they say, I don't want to buy anymore. You can add in more sets. You can add in more reps. Um, You can take shorter rest periods. You can slow down the movement itself and you can add pauses. Like there's a lot of options. Uh, Cause I know a lot of people switched over to, to home programs, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that, that seems to be more of a concern now anyway. Yeah, for sure. I, I think out of all my clients, like 90% of them have some type of home weight set up, but then there is that concern of, I don't want to just keep buying more and more and more weight. So I appreciate you explaining that, that that's, that's maybe one of the myths that like you have yeah. to keep constantly buying more weights. You can just yeah. be more creative with the ones you have so that you're constantly pushing yeah. yourself. Um, yeah. And it, sorry. Another thing that you can add yeah. to progressive overload is range of motion. Um, some people it's the structure of their anatomy, like their hips and their knees. The squat might just be um, something that's harder for them to get what some people would be full range of motion for. Like everyone looks different. Um, But say someone new comes in and they're squatting just above 90, uh, to progressively overload them, you might 
get them to squat a little bit lower, like work them into that position, practice other exercises that would allow them to move through that position uh, that would be different for their hips in a squat. Uh, and then eventually, yeah, they're moving through a larger range, which again would, would uh, increase mechanical tension. Mm-hmm. Is there a minimum number of days or time each week that you would need to lift weights to see results? Yeah, that's a common question, right? Everyone has a question, especially beginners. Um, There's no right answer. There's no right program. Like there's lots of trainers out there that say, oh, my program's the best. And it's like, if the person is lifting consistently at least twice a week, uh, and that's challenging enough for them, and they're applying progressive overload, and like I said, being consistent, then they're going to see results. Mm -hmm. Um, Studies do show that... um, <clears throat> if you're if you're only doing twice a week, full body might make more sense just because we get a little bit more out of the muscle if we're training it at least twice a week. Um, but then past that, you want to make sure that you're recovering between your sessions. So if you wanted to start out with twice a week full body days and then just space them out three or four days, uh, if you're doing three days, you could still do full body and space them out enough. Just depends on your recovery. Um, and then it, for my clients, if they're anything four to six, because I, I don't have a lot of people that are, you know, go ham and do seven days a week, but uh, at four to six, yeah, you would then do some sort of split, like an upper lower, so that they can still okay. get to the gym, um, but they don't have to be working the same muscle groups that are still sore from their last workout. Mm-hmm. And it's important to take how much rest time between working your muscles is just a day enough? If you did upper body, would you skip a day and do, then do upper body again? Yeah. Again, it depends on the person. There's so much nuance in fitness, which is why I've started most of the answers with it depends. But um, really, the person and how they're recovering, uh, if they're recovering really well because they're getting their eight hours, they're eating enough protein, um, they're keeping you know somewhat physically active, uh, when they're not doing their workouts and their recovery is just really good, then yeah, a day between workouts is fine. Some people find that, you know, uh, one day just isn't enough. They're still sore for that 48 hours after their workout, um, which is completely normal for some people. Uh, so again, it depends. I personally, more than five workouts a week is too much for me. Um, even after, I have adapted to the program that I'm on five just seems to be too much for my body. And so, you know, sometimes it's a a guess and check game and you just have to try it, see if it works. If you're not recovering, move it down. Or if you're recovering well, add an extra day. Mm -hmm. I saw somebody post the other day that if you have a fear of getting injured through strength training and you're avoiding it, you're doing more harm to your body than if you're actually doing the strength training, because the likelihood of getting very injured is low, especially if you have some type of guidance or you're starting with, you know, lighter weights and focusing on form. Do you agree with that? Like, what is this kind of fear of injury and how do you tackle that? I think that there's a lot of people out there, you know, sort of fear mongering around 
certain exercises because they're trying to get clicks, because they're trying to get views, whatever. Don't do this exercise. This one's better. You're going to hurt your back if you do this. Deadlifts risk to reward ratio just isn't there. Avoid it completely. Um, and it is all dependent on the person. Uh, so I, I would say that not moving is more detrimental than just going into the gym. And if you're really that worried about it, hire a trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good one that is certified because there's a lot a lot out there that aren't um and they're gonna they're gonna watch your movements there's no I don't like to say that you know people are doing things quote wrong but there are better ways to do things uh technique that's just better for a person to move through um to sort of reduce that risk of injury I tore my ACL in February uh, and I've been strength training for years. I think I'm, I'm at eight years or something. And so my legs are quite strong. I'm quite capable. One random turn, it just snapped. I got up, walked away from it, was like, oh, that was weird. And sort of, <laughs> thankfully, I already had a physiotherapy appointment uh, for another issue. That, and so I was just like, oh, hey, can you check this? Whatever. Um, so lifting weights isn't going to completely get rid of that risk of injury sometimes the body is just going to randomly not tolerate something but i am 10 times more better off that because i've been strength training uh in my recovery my pre-rehab and then after my surgery i'm about three months post-op than i would have if i just got an injury and i was sedentary Mm. and i will say too that most of the clients that i have that have desk jobs they're constantly sitting. Uh, they don't move a lot. They still come to the gym. Um, but then in their everyday regular lives, they're just not moving a whole lot. They have a lot of chronic pain that seems to be a lot harder to get rid of. Hmm. Uh, usually shoulder issues, uh, really tight hips that might you know, turn into some, some back strain. So I 100% agree that you are better off lifting weights uh, than being sedentary. And like you said, you just just start where your body tolerates it and then progressively overload. The body will adapt. Um, Just don't do anything that your body won't tolerate. Like walking into the gym, you can, you are probably, a person would be strong enough to lift lift 200 pounds off the ground. But if you're a beginner, your body's not going to tolerate that. Like the tissues just aren't going to want to do that for you, right? Um, So then there's that potential for risk. But you're starting off with a qualified personal trainer or starting off with, you know, light things. No problem with starting off with something that's too easy, working your way up um, and learning along the way. You're definitely better off lifting weights than being scared to get into a gym because you think you might get hurt. Mm-hmm. We talked about how since COVID, a lot of people have moved their equipment into their homes. So people have this home gym set up. Mm-hmm. So getting or working with a personal trainer may feel more inaccessible now if they're not even going to the gym. So it'd be like bringing someone into your home, which can be a whole thing, you know, probably very expensive compared to working with one of the gym. I don't know, but it's, it's a different type. It's a different level of kind of commitment. And so what I think I hear you saying is you can start on your own just using lighter weights, even if you don't have the guidance of a personal trainer. How would you recommend somebody do that? Like, what are the best programs to start with? Are there 
would you recommend videos or if somebody literally has all the weights and they've thought, I really should start strength training, but they haven't yet. And they don't really want to go to a gym or get a trainer. What would you say to that person? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, there are a lot of things that are accessible now um, that weren't before. A lot of trainers have moved online, so things can be very inexpensive um, and you can get full guidance. So starting with like any movement is good movement. Lots of people say, oh, don't do beach body, whatever. But if they're moving their body and they're exercising, that's better than nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so starting with videos is fine. If you wanted to be really efficient with your time, get to your goals that much faster, obviously I would say hire an online coach first, one-on-one. It's just easier for us to help you if we know you specifically are gonna be doing exactly what we programmed for you as an individual. That would be great. Um, There's also lots of groups online. Uh, where they send you a program, you have a support community of some kind, uh, everyone's given the same program. Um, but if, you know, if it's a good coach, they're going to have all these things like progressive overload and, and um, tracking intensity and stuff like that in there for you. Um, and, you know, some people like to start off with the videos on the internet, which again is fine. Um, but another thing that I, I guess we didn't talk about before is sticking to a program. Um, again, if you wanted to be efficient about your time, you have to be practicing the same exercises over and over again, especially if your goal is strength. The, the thing about strength training is that that mind muscle connection is really important. Um, so that the connection between the brain and the muscles to tell the brain, to tell the muscle, okay, now fire this one, fire that one, fire that one is really important. So starting off as a beginner, practicing the same movements over and over and over again, the body will get better at doing them. Um, the muscles will know when to contract in what pattern. Um, so then the, it'll sort of turn into muscle memory a little bit. Uh, and then from there, you can start, you know, challenging those movements with more weight. Um, and then, but that doesn't happen if you're not following a program and practicing the same exercises and jumping from thing to thing. So you might see some strength increases, uh, but if you wanted the most bang for your buck in terms of time, yeah, you definitely would want to be following a program that practices the same exercises for, I mean, personally, I think three months is kind of the minimum. Because that the first few weeks is learning the exercise, um, practicing the movement itself. The next two months are about uh, adding some weight and then really challenging that movement with more weight, intensity, mm. volume, whatever. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in evidence based, sustainable weight loss. If you're ready to stop yo yo dieting and start living a healthy, active lifestyle you're proud of, I'd love to work with you in one of my programs. Unlike restrictive, one size fits all diets that only provide short term results, I help you adopt science backed nutrition and lifestyle habits that work for your unique likes, dislikes, and time constraints so you can lose weight permanently have high energy throughout the day, feel completely in control of cravings, and stay consistent long-term. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram and TikTok 
at the health investment. What do you do after the third month? You can, I have clients that stick to the same program for a year. They're okay doing the exact same exercises every time they come to the gym. Uh, so three months is kind of just a minimum that I give people because mm -hmm. that's when you would see um, some results by training that extra, those same exercises. Um, but yeah, so you, you change up some of the exercises. Don't change any. Um, change up the program. If you decide three months, you know, that was that was a little bit easy to recover from. I want to add an, ex an extra day, change up the program, um, add some things, take some things out. There's you're really not a lifelong thing, right? So. Right. And you're essentially, even though the three months is up, let's say, you're still going to be training the same muscles, but the exercises or the order, you're saying the program might look a little different just for variety, but mm. you're going to be training the same muscles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like to keep all the compounds in, whether it be a variation of a compound. Uh, and so the compounds, the hip, hip hinge, like RDLs, uh, deadlifts, squats, uh, bench press, chin-ups, any, any sort of like pulling motion rows, stuff like that, where we're using, for, sorry, for your viewers, uh, compound exercises where you're using more than one muscle group or joint and or joint. Um, so yeah, things like squats as opposed to an isolation exercise where we're just one joint, one muscle group. Um, so yeah, those compounds are really important. I like to keep them in to keep that pattern really strong in a person. Um, but if they decide, you know, their body's just not tolerating it, they might be having back pain. Um, their knee doesn't like doing heavy squats at the moment. That's sort of when I would put in a variation of one of those exercises. Okay, got <laughs> so, it. Hmm. Yeah. So let's say, again, just to make this accessible for people. So if you found a video you really like on YouTube, let's say, you just, you could just stick with that video. Instead of jumping from video to video to video, you could just say, I'm going to do this full body strength training video twice a week for a minimum of three months. And at the second month, really try to add more weight or add more repetitions or work towards that progressive overload. And so that's a way to be effective at home versus it's like, oh, I this new video popped up on my YouTube feed. Let me try this one today. Is that is that kind of what I'm hearing could happen? Yeah, a person could do that and just progressively overload on their own without you know, and practicing the same movements in that video. The one thing I will say about videos on the internet is that they feel the need to fill space with more movement. And that's just not efficient when it comes to strength training. Uh, the body needs rest, right? If you're getting relatively close to failure, like you should be for strength training, um, your body need the muscles need to recuperate, right? You've run them out of energy. Uh, you need to sit and do nothing for one to three minutes um, to let them recover and then get back into that exercise with the same intensity uh, as your last working set. Mm. So yes, videos are fine. Um, but if someone was thinking about strength training, things like supersets, whatever, but if you're doing compound movements or um, the video has back-to-back -back, like squats and then deadlifts or combination exercises where one if you split up those exercises, uh, you would be lifting more weight with one exercise than the other. Again, that's just not very efficient for a strength training program, um, but movement is good. So mm -hmm. yeah, 
they wanted to follow the same video and just add weight or do it for a longer time or whatever and that was the options that they had then yeah definitely would be better than nothing that's for sure the common refrain i seem to see in the movement fitness community these days is this might be a little bit better but do whatever you're gonna do i mean just move right like if you want to do a spin class and swim just move like we're just happy that you're moving your body yeah exactly and like I said, there there are more efficient ways to get stuff done. And I didn't follow those ways when I was a beginner. I was just, you know, do whatever, learn my way into it. And then, of course, you know, as I started learning about that kind of stuff in school and then getting the experience of being a personal trainer, I am much more efficient with my clients now than I was with myself when I first started. Uh, and that's kind of something that if you don't start out with a trainer, it is a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and then people listen, yeah, people listen to podcasts like this to sort of learn uh, and maybe avoid the mistakes that trainers had when they first started. Um, yeah, be better off from it. Yeah. What What are some of the biggest mistakes you'd say you made when you first started versus now? Yeah, I I definitely thought that I needed to stick into the rep range ten to fifteen. Huh. It's like that's hypertrophy, and in reality it overlaps. Strength training, hypertrophy, the muscles don't know numbers. So really, how does that make sense? Okay. As long as you're bringing that muscle again to close enough to failure, it doesn't really matter what rep range you're going to. Um, I will just say that if you're doing 20 squats, that just gets torturous. So maybe just do five with a heavier weight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a mistake that I made when I first started. Um, and when I was super beginner, uh, this is before I went to university and I got a program from the trainer that, uh, that trained our team. Um, I, I was like that, I was that person that did just cardio in the gym. And I thought that that was, um, I, it was, it made sense for the sports I was playing. Like soccer is an endurance sport. Um, but I will say that I, I saw a huge difference on the field with my performance when I had a little bit more muscle to me and I wasn't pushed off the ball so easily. Mm. It, it's Soccer is one of those contact to non-contact sports. I think it's not supposed to be contact, but it, there's, there's contact. Mm. Um, one other thing, yeah, when I first started, um, I used weight days as like days off. My cardio days were my workout days, uh, and I trained every day of the week during my first. I think it was my summer going into university, uh, and then after my first year, I did that too. Um, Because I was was just focused on I want to be able to run the whole game. I want that 90 minutes is going to be easy for me. you got to train cardio, Uh, which, again, is not wrong. It's just... I obviously wasn't pushing myself hard enough when I was lifting weights for it to, for me to need to recover from it. Uh, and as a young person, it is a lot easier to recover from things when you're not taking into consideration the amount of food you're eating, how much you're sleeping. Uh, like the body is just a little bit like a lot more resilient. Uh, okay. So as you get older, right. So then you really have to focus on what you need to recover. Uh, mm-hmm. And sleep is one of those things. A lot of people forget. Yeah. When you're lifting heavy weights, you're doing fewer repetitions. So does it mean you can get the same results in less time or is that faulty reasoning? 
Yeah, I, I can see how you would get there. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, no. Okay. You would still need. Um, at, at Evolve, we have a lot of power lifters. Uh, it's just kind of one of those gyms that attracts them. We have all the equipment that they need. <clears throat> um, and they take a solid five minutes between sets because they're lifting so heavy. Like they're getting so close to that max for them uh, that they they need to sit there and wait for their muscles to sort of get that energy back into it so that they can go through the same belt again. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, I guess to an extent that makes sense. Uh, but in practice, yeah, no. They both yeah. take a good amount of time if you're right. getting it right. Okay. I know. I was thinking at home, if you lifted 10 pounds five times versus lifting five pounds 10 times. Yeah. If you have this approach of maybe being okay with lifting heavier because you're not going to bulk up. And so maybe not like heavy, heavy, like a power lifter, but just being open to using your 10 pound weights versus the fives. But maybe that's, that's just me trying to cut corners. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does make sense if you're going to do 20 repetitions, that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, And if you're also doing a lot of sets, that takes a lot of time. So if you can get closer to failure with more weight and less reps, I mean, really it should take less time, but The, even the mental capacity that it takes to convince yourself to do another heavy set of squats or bench press, uh, you're like, okay, my the timer goes off. You're like, okay, it's been two minutes. You know, that's my rest time. And then you're like, oh, but wait, I just need to change my song. Uh, oh, yeah. but wait, you know, the clock needs to get to exactly 56 or, you know. Right, or my so. shoes untied or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And so it's just like it's it's challenging to convince yourself to want to lift heavy right uh, rest time i think is where maybe it evens out a little bit even though in theory that would make sense no yeah that that makes that's a lot of sense yeah. one of the final questions i ask each of my guests is in your opinion what does it mean to make the health investment yeah, being dedicated to taking care of yourself as you age mm-hmm. uh, i think Longevity, especially for people, you know, new lifters when they start in their teens and their 20s, longevity is just not something that's important to them uh, because they're not faced with, oh, I got out of bed and I was just sore this morning for seemingly no reason. Um, so I think it's forgotten about a lot. But, you know, if you if you make one choice at a time just to better your health, uh, your your older self is going to thank you a lot. Does that answer that question? Yeah, it does. And I mean, I think the sooner you start, obviously the better, but then also it's not, it's never too late, right? No, exactly. You can start at any age. If you would have started in your twenties, probably awesome, but you can start in your sixties. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I have a, I have two clients that are, one is 71 and the other one's 86. Uh, And one year old, he just wants to be able to keep working, like going to work. Hmm. Um, incredible right right and he so he just started strength training with me about two years ago and he is exponentially more capable than he was before uh and he started when he was yeah 68 69 years old wow and he's still better off so yeah imagine wanting to 
do strength training just so you can go to work. For me, that's not, <laughs> that does not up, but good for him. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like travel, play yeah. with grandkids, you know, do other fun things. And he's like, I just want to go to work. Good for yeah. him. Well, you know, they everyone has tons of reasons, but that was yeah. once. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Where can listeners follow and find you? Uh, mostly, if only on Instagram. It's uh, Bailey Lau Fit. That's L-A-U-F-I-T uh, on Instagram. Awesome. And then if somebody were interested in working with you, do you do virtual consults and training? Yeah, I do online coaching. Um, I have an online program with another coach named Andrew Coates. Uh, and that's a group program. So it's called Forever Strength. You can find it in my bio on Instagram. And then I do take one-on-one -on, -one on online clients as well, which is another thing that you can find uh, in the link in my bio on Instagram. Oh, great. Well, there, and that's the perfect option for somebody, you know, one-on-one -on -one or group and virtual so they could use what they have at home. I'm sure yeah. maybe you'd guide them to get a few extra things, but awesome. So uh, all is not lost. If you're listening to this and you don't belong to a gym and you want to work with somebody, <laughs> Bailey's here. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this awesome knowledge with us today. I know I learned a lot and I look forward to staying connected on Instagram. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the health investment podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.